Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Resky. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. My name is Jim Reske. I'm one of your co-hosts, and I'm joined with the uh, the other host of this program, Greg Bryan. Greg, how are you doing tonight? Doing well, doing well, Jim. It's great. So uh, tonight we're going to be going over a Bible passage, kind of in our usual pattern, which is that uh, you are going to be speaking on this Bible passage in uh, just a few days, I think, at the end of this week, so about five or six days. And then uh, what we try to try to do is have a podcast where we get together, read it together, talk about it. I think you've already done some research on this, these passages. So I'll kind of pick your brain about it, see what you've been learning, see the kinds of things you're thinking about. And we'll talk about it. And then uh, later uh, we will post the actual talk that Greg will give uh, on this passage. Uh, and then we'll get together, do another podcast to debrief the uh, after podcast to uh, kind of go over all the things that... Um, you know, uh, things that you might have wished you'd said differently or wish you had brought out or didn't have time to say or whatever. So that's the pattern we've been following. And tonight we're going to look at Luke chapter 19. I think, Greg, you're going to be speaking on Luke 19 and 20. Isn't that right? Yeah, I'm actually speaking on Luke 17, 18, 19, and 20. But we oh. already did. We already recorded some. Um, we already did some recording on Luke 17 and 18. Right. That was fun. But that was, that was, that was, yeah, that was about a month ago or right. a while back. So we're, we're jumping to, um, yeah, we're just going to focus on Luke chapter 19. There's so much, I mean, I love the gospel of Luke. Um, yeah. I mean, he, it's just, it's just so cool. And, uh, both the stories that we're going to talk about or the passages are unique to Luke. Mm-hmm. Which, if you read the four Gospels, there's a lot of there's a significant percentage that is shared in all the Gospels. Like you know, um, the same story, like the feeding of the uh, five thousand, um, right? I believe is in all four Gospels. Um, so, but we're going to just talk about these two stories in Luke chapter nineteen that are unique to Luke. Right. So, uh, so for all the. Each one of these chapters has so much content in it. We're tonight's just going to be Luke 19, 1 through 10. That's the story of Zacchaeus. And then the parable, uh, right after that, the parable of the 10 minas, both yes. of which raise some very uh, interesting points and interesting questions. So this will be a lot of fun. Yeah. So let's start with um let's start with the Zacchaeus, the tax okay. collector. So how would you feel about reading? Would you mind reading the, no, uh, the first I'll read this. verses? Yeah, I'll read this, and then we'll start off with your thoughts on it. And I got uh, other uh, other questions for you, too. So let's go. This is chapter. Okay. This is Luke chapter 19. It's going to be verses 1 through 10. And I'm going to read from the New International Version. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him 
since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Yeah, so what a great story. Yeah, um, so what do you what are your your first thoughts and impressions, Greg? So my first thought is the reason this is in the Bible is because it happened. Mm-hmm. It, it's not made up. It's not right. a story, you know, he didn't just make this up. It, um sometimes we read stories in the Bible and we think, "Oh, somebody just somebody just made that up." But this is this is here because Luke um uh you know, cuz this actually happened. And Luke specifically chose to put it in the Bible because as Jesus was working his way towards Jerusalem, he went um, into Jericho and then he encountered this guy, Zacchaeus. So that's my first my first thought. The other thing that I think about is, um, you know, Zacchaeus is like the most unlikely candidate for Jesus's attention. Um. Because if you can imagine the scene, there was so much going on and Jesus was heading somewhere. And then he notices this guy up in a tree. And um, now there was probably other occasions where people were either like standing on a, a rock or, you know, trying to get a better perspective to see Jesus that we that are not mentioned in the Bible. But Zacchaeus is specifically mentioned so I think if the first thing is we should consider it kind of odd. Why, why is, why is Zacchaeus, why is Jesus giving this guy attention? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, there's lots of reasons why Jesus wouldn't really be interested in this guy. He was a tax collector, mm-hmm. which they were kind of looked down upon. Um, he was, he was rich. Right. Um he was a rich tax collector. Um, and then, you know, it, it specifically talks about his height, that he was small in stature. Right. Kind of makes you think he was easy to overlook, mm. you know. But it seems to me like Luke wanted his readers to recall this incident because of something that happened a couple chapters ago that we talked about, that that story of the rich young ruler. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So one of my questions was going to be for you, who was going to be, have you thought about the contrast between this and the rich young ruler? Because there's two well, wealthy think, people, right? I think Luke wants us to to contrast them. How so? I think, well, I mean, if, if the story of the rich young ruler doesn't end too well, mm-hmm. um, he kind of walks away because he had such great wealth, and right, he he doesn't uh, follow Jesus. He he isn't changed from the inside out. But here, um, Luke remembers there was another rich man. And it's this guy Zacchaeus, and in fact, um, you know who is his his life was forever changed um, because of his encounter with Jesus, which I just love. Um, verse nine, you know, Jesus says to him, 
when he gets to his house, today salvation has come to this house because this, this man too is the son of Abraham. Um, and then verse 10, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That could be the theme verse of the gospel of Luke. Yeah. The son of man came to seek and to save the lost because that's essentially the theme of the whole gospel. And here, this is kind of the pinnacle story of, of that because of this encounter with Jesus. What about you? What are some of your thoughts? Well, so just thoughts and questions. I thought the contrast with the rich young ruler is really interesting. And uh, I'm glad you're thinking about that and kind of looking at that kind of compare and contrast because the rich young ruler is also kind of seeking Jesus, right? And uh, here at the beginning of this one, Zacchaeus is verse three. He wanted to see who Jesus was. So he's kind of has some interest in Jesus. And it's actually, I don't, that's a question I don't have an answer for. What was it he was looking for? What sparks Zacchaeus' interest? You know, maybe he had heard of Jesus' reputation. Maybe he thought Jesus is someone who could love even someone as loathsome as me, right? Maybe he had some hope in that, you know, there's, you know, even in, in this guy, Jesus is so kind to people that are outsiders and outcasts, even like, like me. Maybe he's someone that I could, uh, uh, talk to her. I don't know, there's some reason why Zacchaeus is, is reaching out and wants to see Jesus. The rich young ruler does too. He goes to mind and says, you know, I've, I've basically, I've kept all the law. I'm a 9.9 on a scale of 10. What is that last little bit that I need, Jesus, to be saved? It, the contrast for me, though, Greg, in those stories that I think is interesting is when the rich young ruler, Jesus says, sell everything you have, and he doesn't. He walks away sad because he has great possessions. And here, Jesus doesn't even say that to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus offers it up. He says, look, I'm just going to you know, give half of it away and repay everything. And so Zacchaeus has the response that Jesus kind of prompted the rich young ruler to have that the rich young ruler did not have. But afterwards, when the rich young ruler walks away sad, the people's reaction is interesting. Because in both stories, you have the people's reaction. And the rich young ruler, the people there say, oh, wow, if he, if he can't be saved, who can? Like... We thought that being rich was a sign of God's blessing, and therefore this man must have been really far up the scale because he was wealthy. That's evidence that he was doing something right. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been blessed like that. And they don't have that reaction with this guy at all. He's wealthy, too. They don't say, wow, Zacchaeus, I could see why Jesus would want to have dinner with him because he's so righteous, because he's wealthy, therefore he must have been righteous. they like, no, it's... It's uh, it's like they very very clearly distinguished. Not all wealthy people were seen as righteous. The rich young ruler was yeah. seen as righteous. This guy's like it's ill-gotten gain. You're in in tax collectors. We talked about this before. They were in league with the Romans. He he was not, you know, shaking people down personally. And, and I think you even get this in this story because of his small stature. It's not like he was physically intimidating people for that tax collection. He would have a Roman legion with him. He would have the power of the Romans behind him to say, well, you don't have to listen to me. I'll just send six guys into your housing. We'll kill everybody and take your stuff. And so everyone hated him for that, that reason, even though he was rich. So it wasn't the riches did not, was not a signal of God's blessing in this case to the people the way it was with rich young ruler, which I thought was an interesting contrast. It is very interesting, and it's one of the things you see in the Gospels, the, the upside-down kingdom, that mm -hmm. um, the people that you think will turn to Christ don't, and the ones that are the most unlikely, undeserving, right? Um, the outcasts, they're the ones 
who are the one who are her, whose lives are being changed. Bingo, bingo. And that's what you get because the people there thought the rich young ruler was really righteous. And Jesus said, he walks away lost. The people here think this guy's really lost and a sinner. And he's the one Jesus chooses and his life turns around. He follows Jesus, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. The people really, really, really got that wrong. So what else do you see? Well, I also think that at first glance, it looks like Zacchaeus is seeking Jesus. But mm -hmm. by the end of the story, you realize that Jesus was seeking Zacchaeus. So do you think it was something like the Holy Spirit prompting in Zacchaeus to do that in the first instance? It was some kind of, I think what the scholars call provenient grace. And no one reaches out to Jesus without God enabling right. him to do even that. Right. Well, I mean, some of the commentaries I read said that maybe he came, maybe he met Levi, who was also a tax collector mm. and who had been, you know, his life had been changed by Jesus, that maybe mm -hmm. someone had witnessed to him or he'd heard stories. But the bottom line is that, um, you know, it definitely looks like, you know, Zacchaeus is um is, is seeking Jesus, but then at the end by the end of the story, you realize that that Jesus was seeking him. And I think one of the big messages that Luke is trying to get across is that salvation is available to all. Mm -hmm. Jesus didn't come just to save like the Jews. Mm -hmm. Um, he came to save all people. The lost. And the the lost, yeah. Anyone who would who would recognize um admit that they are that they need to repent that that they're lost acknowledge yeah. that they're lost and yeah. um so yeah i think i think there was something happening in zacchaeus's heart and i find this true when i'm whenever i'm sharing the gospel with people um i mean i've had these experiences where i'll share the gospel with somebody one time and they'll turn to jesus but what i what I find out is that God was working in their heart way before I came to the, came along. Oh yeah. And, um, and so I see that that's what's going on here is that God was working in Zacchaeus long before, um, you know, this, before he climbed that tree and, uh, brought him to a point. And, um, I mean, it's just a really, really cool story. Um, I oh, think yeah. it would be shocking to the people that witnessed it though, because he was such an outcast, he was so despised. And yet here he is, his changed life. Um, I mean, like you said, Jesus doesn't even prompt him, like, okay, now that you know, now what are you gonna do? You right. know, no, before Jesus can say anything, he is saying, Hey, I'm gonna give away half my possessions to the poor. If right. I cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay it back four times the amount, which I believe is going well beyond and above and beyond what was required at that time. So it yeah. really shows his repentance, um, which I think one of the themes of these chapters, 17, 18, 19, is humility, is um, uh, humbling yourself. We, you know, we've we talked about, um, you know, gratitude. Um, the story of the 10 lepers that got healed and only one of them comes back. Right. Um, so here you have it all kind of together. Like, you know, you see Zacchaeus's incredible gratitude. You see his, his repentance. 
um you know um yeah it's 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 a it's a really cool story um yeah there, there's I, lots I of it. there's lots of little nuance in the story like in verse three when he says he wanted to see he wanted to there's other stories about blind people that are jesus passes by and they reach out they want to they want to see jesus right they they're they're blinded and they want to be able to see but they want to see jesus and uh here's a story where someone who's I'm, he's, he's not blind but he's short of stature he can't see over the crowd but he wants to see jesus so he's got an obstacle in his way to seeing jesus and so he's uh trying to but he's still reaching out trying to see jesus but it's really like you said it's jesus reaching out to him because jesus is the one who came to seek and save that which was lost i i think this story is uh, in, for as I always think about it, is is the primary story in the New Testament for the gospel doctrine of sequence, the mm. whole notion of sequence, right? That um, how, how do we put it, Greg? It's not I obey, therefore I'm accepted. It's what I'm accepted because based on what Jesus has done for me, therefore I obey. Therefore I obey, and this 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 story in particular gets it in a nutshell. You hear. In a narrative form, you hear a story about a guy who just he's just climbing a fig tree. I want to see Jesus. And Jesus reached a spot in verse five. He Jesus looked up at him and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down. I must stay at your house today. And a few commentaries I read say that those the language is so strong. Jesus said, first of all, Jesus looks at him. Jesus finds him, says, I must stay at your house today as a sign of like relationship and wanting and acceptance. So Jesus says, I have, I want you and I want to, I want to be with you. I want to be close to you. I want to have dinner with you. Yeah. And then his life is completely changed, right? He meets the savior, he has an encounter with the savior. And then he, he turns his, his life is turned around. He turns his life around. It's not, you know, Jesus saying, well, you know, I'm going to pass by here again. I'm going to come by a year from now and uh, we're going to see how you do. And uh, what you need to do is, you know, take care of all the wrong things you did. I'm going to watch you. And if you do all those things right, then I'm going to have dinner with you. Yeah. And Jesus right. didn't say, clean up your act and then follow me. Exactly. Um, exactly. He says, Which you kind of get that feeling from the rich young ruler that that's what he kind of, uh, he got, he got the sequence wrong. And that's why he walked away discouraged. The rich young ruler gets a sequence wrong from the start because he comes in saying, what must I do to be saved? Right. right His opening right. question, what must I do? And I, we, I think we talked about this before, Greg, but I think that people read that story and say, well, Jesus says to him, sell your possessions, give it to the poor. And people say, well, is that, that's the biblical rule. Everyone is supposed to sell all their possessions. And if you read that story and you get that proposition out of it that's the rule then you're reading that story the way the rich young ruler would read his own story yeah. he would look for the clues and say what must i do oh now i get it i got to do this this and that to be saved but this offer of the rich young ruler would have been the same as to zacchaeus like you're going to be saved by complete grace you have the you have the chance to walk with a king on earth right you have the chance by his complete grace but in response um, you got to give up your idols. You got to give up the, your functional saviors, the things you're really looking for. Zacchaeus does it in a heartbeat without even being asked, right? Amen. Um, yeah. So um, we'll close this section with this thought. If you were to ask a group of people, who's the biggest seeker in the Bible? Hmm. Some people would probably want to mention Zacchaeus. 
Mm -hmm. because, Mm -hmm. you know, he acts like a little kid. Yeah. Right. He runs ahead and he climbs a tree. I mean, yeah. Does it do, do, do rich people do that? Generally not. That's the evidence. You started by saying this. That's the evidence of its veracity, right? You wouldn't write a story like this because people say, no, the the wealthy guy in town would disgrace himself by running ahead like a giddy schoolboy and climb a tree. That's just kind of humiliating, you know, and that that would never happen. And that's the the reason that for me, that's evidence that it actually did happen because it's not something you would make up. Right. So on the surface, it's easy to think, well, Zacchaeus is probably one of the the biggest seekers in the Bible. But Mm -hmm. I think honestly, the more you think about it, you, that the message here is that Jesus is the biggest seeker in the Bible. And it comes out in verse 10 for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Amen. Thank you. Let's, let's move on to the the parable. Yep. Let's go on. Let's, let's do it. This is a little longer. You want to read it? Yeah, I can read it. And then it will kind of, Pick your brain about it as he, because uh, I'm sure you've already done some prep and have some thoughts on this too. Now, this is going to be Luke chapter 19. I'll start at verse 11, and this will go through 27. So here we go. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem, and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 minas. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, sir, your mina has earned 10 more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master said, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. That's the parable of the ten minas, Luke 19 verses 11 through 27. Okay, Greg, what are your big picture thoughts and your first impressions on this story? Well, uh, it's, I'm not sure that I have a complete understanding of it. I'm, I'm kind of processing it, but 
there's there's some of the themes I see here are steward and responsibility, yep. stewardship and responsibility. I see the expectation of productivity. Yes. Um, rewards and consequences. Um, being accountable to God and the principle to to whom much is given, much is required. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, risk and fear kind of uh you know are 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 some of the themes that uh that i see um you know i'm gonna i'm gonna turn this on you at first because i know um i've never been in the banking industry that's right (laughs) and uh i know this this probably stands out to you um you might actually help me with some insights because um i'm guessing in your profession uh, you know, you can relate to this. Yes. So what Greg is referring to is that I, I work at a bank. So I've been in the banking industry for 30 some years. And that's why I love uh, verse 23. And I'll read it actually the New American Standard Version. Then why did you not put my money in the bank? Um, so it's the patron verse, just like patron saints, the patron verse, I guess, of bankers everywhere. Um. But it's interesting. And by the way, that and that that's a little joke, but uh there are a lot of I think people who say, well, well, there may be a maybe a more populist view that you know bankers have are deal with the money. So just like tax collectors dealt with the money in the previous story, they must be evil somehow. There's just jealousy or resentment. Um, and this is this is kind of pro-banker. Jesus says you should have given it to the bankers. So let me just dispense with that real quickly since you asked me about that. Why would why would anything be positively said about banking in the Bible? What's what could how how could banking possibly be positive? The, the the point is what the essence of banking is 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 taking it's like God's work in creation, which is to making order out of chaos, and so you have well, money, idle money sitting around everywhere. And when a bank is functioning the way it's supposed to be functioning, it's taking idle money that's not being used. Someone's got their one mina buried in the ground. They give it to the bank. The bank it becomes a clearinghouse to redistribute that money to credit worthy, uh, but appropriate causes we'll aggregate these deposits and we're going to lend it out to this person who's going to build these homes over here or start this business over there or fund their education over there so uh, all those individuals could lend their own money out but they don't they they don't know what to do with it or can't find those uh, uh productive uses and that's what the banks do they become like a kind of clearinghouse that's what it, the way it's supposed to be and then the bank will reward you with interest that's right for That's right. putting putting your your money in there. So the the banking industry, um, yeah, I I love I love the fact that you're you're in the banking industry and you can <laughs> give insight into this. So we know about parables that parables are like earthly stories that illustrate some sort of spiritual truth, right? Um, it's so a lot here. Yeah, there's there is a there is a lot here. So, um, what what are um, what are some of your observations? Well, I'll tell you another one. So when I uh, I work this into another talk, it wasn't on this, but um, uh, talking about the whole concept of work and how it's got to feel about work. And it's 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 really interesting because it starts off by saying that they thought the kingdom of God was going to meet, come immediately. So he says, I'm going to give you a parable that says, no, there's a gap. There's a time gap between a first coming and a second coming. Okay. And so, but there is going to be a second coming. I am going to come back. And this is in chapter 13. You know, uh, he says, you know, do this until I come back. And um, but what he's saying to them, so there's a time gap, right? And um, 
what he says to them to do what until he comes back. And, and again, I'm going to look at the New American Standard Version. It's not the one I read, but I switch over to that version. Verse 13, it says, he gave, he called his slaves, gave them 10 minas and said to them, do business, do business with this until I come back. And this is the idea that God does, God says, cultivate the earth. You know, God said, cultivate the earth before the fall in the garden. And after the fall, he said, cultivate the earth. It's going to be thorns and thistles and difficult, but this is what I want is order out of chaos. I want you to be cultivating the earth to do business until I come back. Right. And it's a very, you know, the whole talk on uh, the Christian views of work because it'll be a, a, a rabbit hole distraction. But this this one is saying God God says I want productive use of resources. I want you to take yeah. the things, the gifts I give you, and, yeah. and and whatever those gifts are. And I my expectation is you put them to work. You don't bury them in the ground. You actually do. If your if your gift is singing in the choir, you're using that gift to benefit others. If right. your gift is entrepreneurship, you're starting businesses and you're selling them. You do. I want you to use that gift because what's going to cause real human flourishing in this world until I come back is if you're all using your gifts fully in the service of others. That I think it's a big stewardship and responsibility. Yep. Stewardship that, and, and it goes all the way back to the garden where, yeah, um, God gave Adam a job. Right. That's right. And he 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 and he he and Adam recognized he was a steward. He was a servant. Right of God, um, and yeah, and the same is true of us. Um, <clears throat> okay, so I got a question for you. Yeah. So, so, how do you make sense now, the guy with one, and what he says? Because here he's he's making a descriptive statement about God, right? Because Jesus or Jesus, Jesus comes back and he says, "I knew you to be a hard man." And the version I have now says. I was afraid of you because you are an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay down and reap what you did not sow. I once had years ago had a non-Christian I was witnessing to read this verse and said, what does that mean? How is God? That's an awful description of God. That's a terrible description of Jesus. How do you make sense of that? What does that mean? This guy looks at him and says that, and and the guy doesn't really deny it. He says, oh, okay, I'm going to use your words against you. You knew that I was an exacting man, huh? Taking up what I did not lay down, reaping what I did not sow, eh? Well, then, you know, so it's not exactly a denial of it. It's like, I'm going to use your words against you. So anyway, I how do you make, how do you riddle me this, Greg? How do you make sense of all that? Oh, I don't know that I don't know that I've I've gotten to that point yet, but yeah. What I do believe is like I said, this is an earthly story used to illustrate a spiritual truth. So what is a mina? What is the mina in the story? I think the mina for us is the gospel. The gospel oh. itself. The, the mean, gospel that... is the mina. Really? And yeah, if you, okay, so read, think about it. If um, the the good news about Jesus is the Mina, that's, that's what we've been entrusted with that we're stewards of mm. and uh, that we're supposed to multiply and share. Oh, um, that's interesting. So um, in my basic research up to this point, that, to me makes the most sense um you know th this whole parable reflects the idea that in life we're entrusted with ver various gifts talents and resources 
We have a responsibility to use them wisely and productively for the glory of God. But what is the ultimate gift that God has left us? Why has God left? Why has God left us here? Why? How come, Jim, the moment we trust Jesus, why aren't we just immediately raptured and taken to heaven? Because God's left us here with a mission. And what's the mission? The mission is to go make disciples of all the nations. Mm, mm, mm. It's it, the mission is to sh- spread the gospel. Yeah. Um, there's I can I can quote all kinds of verses. Um, well, to seek it to save that which is lost. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So if have you not looked at it this way with the mean of being the gospel? Never heard that before. I got to think about that because then the, the last one is as if Jesus says, why didn't you put the gospel in the bank? And I would have gotten interest on it. That doesn't quite fit with the the, the gospel paradigm, right? It sounds like, it sounds like he's talking about some kind of resources that he's distributing. Um, but I do think in a minute, but let me step back. That is like, a, because no analogy is ever perfect in every way. Um, right. The but the idea that the gospel is a great resource you've been given, and then I want you to be um, using that uh, the, the gift I'm giving you of the, the knowledge of the gospel to, to, and giving it to others. Absolutely, I could see that being a uh, 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 what this parable is all about. Certainly, if you know your your singing voice is a resource you have, then the gospel is also a resource you've got. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's what that's what I'm reflecting on right now i'm not saying this one this one i have to do further research so um well, let me give you a t- tip on that that the bible difficulty i'm sorry are you gonna go different oh yeah direction? give me yeah yeah answer the bible difficulty well i don't know if i have the answer so i would love it if you do a lot of research this week and come up and, and and lay it down next week when you preach on this or speak on teach on this and okay give us the benefit but here's one thought the one thought is that the guy's image of what keeps this guy from being productive is this is his mina what keeps him from living his life to the fullest, what keeps him from like taking that mean and being productive with it is that he has the wrong image of God. His image of God is wrong. He's, he says, I knew you to be an exacting man. You reap what you did not sow. You, you, you take up what you did not lay down. You're demanding that this is, this is someone, you know, uh, sometimes Greg, we graphically draw some people who view the Christian life as a single line, right? A simple graph with holiness as the vertical axis and time as the horizontal axis, you draw a diagonal line that stops in the bottom left and goes up to the top right. And you say, there's a cross at the bottom left. Jesus starts you off in the Christian life, but the whole Christian life is mapped out by a climb up that single line, a stairway to heaven. And you got to get to the top. And this is the Christian who says, I've had it. Uh, my whole life, you've been demanding me to be holy, holy, perfect. You, 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 you keep pushing me to do all these things and be a good person. I'm sick of it. I can't do it. I can't keep up. You're an exacting man. I've tried to be a good Christian my whole life, and I feel, still feel like a four on a scale of one to ten, or zero to ten. I'm a four, and I never measure up. And you're just just so demanding, and you're exacting, and you know you and you don't even you don't even play fair. You reap what you didn't sow. It's not fair. So I've had, I I I didn't do anything. I, I I I'm justified when I walk away from you because you you're the problem, God. You're the problem. You you're you're your character. So I, he's he's very much a judgment of God, right? And and uh, the Jesus says I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bother getting into the theological debate and say no that's not my character. By the way, I am the gracious one who gave you the mina in the first place. You have the mina because of my gracious gift, mm-hmm. right? That's all, the only reason you have it is because I was gracious and kind to you. 
right? And now you turn around and say, well, you know, I, I didn't, have, you know, I'm justified. I didn't have to do anything because you, you know, God, you, your character is way off, right? He has the wrong image of God, right? And Jesus yeah. says, well, you know, look, I, that you got it all wrong. But at the very least you could have done is give it to someone who was productive with that gift. <laughs> give it to the banker so they can redistribute it to some productive use. Because what I really want is human flourishing, and I want the, I want to cultivate my kingdom, and I want my kingdom to thrive. And so I want these resources really deployed that way, even though you got it wrong. At least the, we could have salvaged this losing situation by giving it to somebody else. Anyway, that's one way I make sense of that. That's interesting. Yeah, so... Um... That that no, that's really good. I like that. That's, well, see if the commentators agree on this. See if you read the commentators, let me know. That's I'm insightful. Really that's insightful. Yeah. So, um, so maybe maybe it's better to say instead of the mina in this parable is the gospel. Maybe the gospel is just one of the minas. It's, it's that, an example of a mina you've been given. It's an example of an amina that we've been gifted that God yeah. has given us. Yeah. Um, you know, um, yeah, but, but it's but it is interesting. It's not anti-business. He says do business. It's not anti-banking because he mentions banking. It's not anti-productivity, and it's also not you know equal distribution of wealth, right? It's like no, um, because he says give it to the one who has ten minas. Wait, he's already got ten. He's already got plenty. Uh, so God has his own economy, right? Um, there's another parable, I think it's Luke 20, where everyone works different hours in the field and they all get the exact same reward. Here you have differential rewards, but it's all gods anyway, right? Yeah. So, so uh, why does why is why does Luke include this parable here? What are your thoughts on that? Why is it well, he tells you a little bit at the beginning because you know they're listening and they're they're thinking that the kingdom is God's gonna come immediately, so he's got to correct that misconception. He's got to say there's going to be a big time gap. And I do want things to happen during that time gap. I want to establish the church, right? Share the gospel. Like you said, I want, yes. it's going to be thousands of years. So I do want things to happen during that time gap. And I want you to be productive. I don't want you to sit around and wait for me coming. Right. So he, I do think that's a big part of it. Right. At the beginning he says he has to clear that misconception up. Yeah. So yeah, be prepared, be productive. You know, um, be yes, prepared yes. for my be prepared for my return, but be productive in the meantime. Oh, you need to think of another word that starts with P. So you have three P's. <laughs> uh, and plan and plan and pray. Oh, pray! Yeah. You got to pray. Or prayer is always a good one, Greg. Pray, pray, yeah, there. pray. Pray is a great. <laughs> oh yeah, you can't go wrong with the. With no, prayer. you're looking for a fourth P for your fourth point outline. <laughs> that's yeah, that's funny. That's great. Um, no, it's a really. You know, it's it's really a a good uh, a good parable, um, and uh, I, yeah, I need to do a little bit more research on this one. But uh, um, there there is something here, you know, about risk and fear because the one yeah. servant, you know, he failed to invest the mina, and he did it because of fear. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And I this reminds was, yeah. this this is kind of a good reminder that fear can paralyze us and hinder us from taking risks for the yeah. sake of the kingdom of God. Um so how does the gospel overcome that? How does perfect love cast out all fear? Um well because you know you're accepted, you know you're loved, you know the secrets of the gospel from Zacchaeus, the this passage before, right? You're right. 
yeah, exactly. Um, so when you when you find your identity in Christ, you know that frees you to have faith and be willing to step out of your comfort zones. Um, you know, when I was talking about guy and that 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 uh, interpretation of those that his phrase when I said he's like sick of being, I'm a four on a scale of one to ten, and I'm sick of it. I would keep trying, trying, trying. You're so exacting, you're so demanding. I just can't do it anymore. Um, that's also non-gospel thinking. That's what we keep thinking about. There's someone who says, "I this is you know one of his servants." So someone who's saved, you can be saved and have that wrong gospel, not wrong thinking about how the Christian life works. And uh, we said this before on this podcast, but it's not that you're a four on a scale of one to ten or a nine on a scale of one to ten. We are all zeros, complete zeros on a scale of one to ten. But in God's eyes, we're all tens. We're zeros and tens at the at same, the same time. time. At that's the key. At the same time, and that. By the way, if you get that, then you have, hey, I can be productive because my standing with the King doesn't depend on if I lose this mina. I'm going to invest it and try to get five more because I have the comfort of knowing that He accepts me anyway, so I can take risks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you can take. So, I I do think that. Um, and and how many how many people have a wrong view of God? How many people their view of God is is off? Um, oh, uh, so many, so many. Yeah. Um. They. Yeah, and and yeah. even 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 people, believers, even believers. Yeah. Right. And because we we misunderstand or miss miss um, we misunderstand the scripture and what the scripture teaches about God, and we we, we read we we can read passages, um, and and I think you're right. I think a lot of people think of God as like this guy saying, you know, mm -hmm. they I'm a hard man. You're a hard man. A hard man. You're, you're a hard God. So. Um, and you're not even fair. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, so uh, you you know you're, yeah you're a lousy taskmaster. You're exacting man and, and, a, and a harsh taskmaster and a lousy taskmaster. Right. right. So um, I mean, so much, so much of so much of religion is is uh, is fear based. You know. Oh yes. So much. Well, and it works to an extent, right? You don't want to go to hell, do you? Right, right. right. You don't want to have, uh, you know, don't you? You, you don't want to hear, you know, you're, you're, um, you, you depart from me, you wicked servant, and, and I never knew you, and like he says here, right? I mean, you know what's interesting? Thinking about that, you know, the because we did live through a time twenty or thirty years ago where that was the main way to share the gospel is you don't want to go to hell, right? Um, you know that works. That works. Um, that works enough to get you to say a sinner's prayer, or, but I don't think it really changes you from the inside out. No, no, it works short term to change behavior. You can right. You know, it can it can change you for the it yeah. it, it can it, it can uh, yeah. And fear always does that. It can it, it does it does. It's one way to change a person, but right. lasting change comes through the gospel, the good news right. that. Jesus went to hell for us. Yes, as he is my substitute. That's right. Yeah. I don't That's right. I don't have to go to hell because he went to hell. He took he took the hell I deserved 
yeah um in my place um so that you know um yeah and and you know one of the things we say in our podcast is the gospels it's it's more than good news it's the best news it's the best right. news ever yeah um if you if you really if you really get it um so any final thoughts on on this no, I know. I, I don't know. I'm really curious. I do think you, you're going to have to also just as a heads up. Uh, I don't have an answer for this, but verse 27, the end where it's very harsh the way this ends. Yes. You know, Jesus says these enemies of mine, those who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slay them in my presence. You should look at some commentators on that. That's not the way you again, if you were messed up, you wouldn't make that up. You say, oh, Jesus was a teacher of love and peace. Whoa, wait, what's that? Where does that verse come from? Um, it's like there's real judgment. There's there's real judgment. There's real consequences for rejecting the gospel, right? And rejecting Jesus. And um, maybe it's tied in with the, that doctrine, the the uh, the unforgivable sin, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, which I think is just rejection of the gospel, rejection of Jesus. But um, and you know maybe this is just he's using harsh words and hyperbole to get across the point. Like, look, there's a spiritual death is being apart from me forever. And yeah. Uh, that is that is that is horrible. So, um, but but it's 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 not the way we, a modern writer would write it. If you're and it's not the way I think people who say, well, you know, basically Jesus teacher of love and peace. Jesus was just a good teacher. They yeah. haven't read verse. They haven't read Luke nineteen verse twenty seven. Yeah, I mean, rejecting the rejecting the gospel is a life or death decision. Amen. Um, and amen. Amen. Just like just like the servants, the servants of the master each had to answer to him, but yeah. so do his enemies. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. The servants answer and the enemies answer. You're exactly right. The servants and the and and but the ultimate thing is there was there is a final judgment. There is. And, and uh, that's and, why yeah. that's why that's why uh you know your response to the to the reign of Jesus is a life or death decision. Your response yeah. to the the good news of the gospel is a life or death decision. Well, um, yeah. Look at the contrast we talked about tonight, the rich young ruler that we referred to who responded to the call of Jesus and walked away sad and didn't respond well. Zacchaeus, you know, gets the invitation as dinner with Jesus. Life has changed forever. He responds, his heart responds. Right. Um, yeah. And then these servants, how they have different responses to Jesus. So that is the great question, right? The greatest offer ever, but you have to, you just have to take it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode. And remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.